Welcome to the Foresight Church Podcast. Enjoy this week's sermon. For more information about us, go to foresightchurch.co.za. So this guy is hurtling down the road at 120 k's an hour, right? And these, these guys standing with a sign that says, the end is near. And he looks at them and he opens his window and he shouts, you crazy people! And just then he goes over the edge of the bridge and into the water below. The bridge is washed away and, and uh, these two guys look at their sign and they think, perhaps we got the wrong message. Perhaps the sign should say, the bridge has been washed away. Good morning. My name is Chris Zeely. It's my privilege to host you this morning at Foresight Church in your home. We are seeing the reality of a life-giving New Testament church within walking distance of everybody. That means church is now in your house. Welcome this morning. Please kick off your shoes. Let your hair down. I trust that you enjoyed the worship this morning. Top class worship from homes around the planet. Hopefully soon we'll be able to unite and meet again in a group. This morning I want to talk to you about being caught napping. There's a story in Matthew chapter 25 that talks about being caught napping. In fact, there are three stories in Matthew 25 that talk about being caught napping. And we're going to run through all of them quite briefly. Well, recently I've been getting the question all the time, are we in the last days? And categorically, I want to say, and it might sound trite, but yes, we are one day closer to the coming of Jesus Christ than we were yesterday. And tomorrow, we will be one day closer than we are today. We know time is ticking. In fact, there's a doomsday clock that uh, scientists have put together in 1947, expecting the world to end sometime. And then they set it to seven minutes to midnight. Today, the nuclear physicists, the environmentalists around the world in consultation, recently moved the clock to 100 seconds to midnight. There's an imminent expectation of the end of the world coming. What does the Bible say about the end of the world? Well, it does say that Jesus will come again soon. And it says this, he will come at a time when no one is expecting him. Let's read Matthew chapter 25. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but didn't take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with the lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. All of them, friends, were expecting Jesus, but all of them fell asleep at some time. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, the lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some oil for yourselves. Now, right, it's midnight, okay, no one's open. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. 
Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. In Matthew 24, which runs into 25, verse 44, it says, So you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus is coming soon, but he's coming at a time when the world does not expect him. You see, the story of the ten virgins in Matthew 25 goes like this. These were pure people, people who had been expecting his coming, people who, who had been in preparation. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 14 says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to his coming, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that the Lord's patience means salvation. Now, we've been expecting Jesus to come. The reason he hasn't come yet is because he wants people to hear the gospel, have the opportunity to respond to him, to say, yes, Lord, we respond to your love. We receive your love. And for, Jesus wants all people to be saved. But that's why he's patient. He's waiting for people to come to him. In that wait, he is more patient than we are. Many of us fall asleep along the way. And some of us don't have a preparation, enough preparation in the hope of salvation, in the hope of his coming. Purify yourselves as he is pure, spotless and blameless, waiting for him. You know, recently, in fact, last week, we had an anniversary, a church anniversary, 20 years. But in the same week, we had an anniversary in our house. Suzanne and I have been married for 23 years this year. Pretty awesome. We had the opportunity to have a look at our wedding video again. You know, those old wedding videos. Right now, it was beautiful. The, the cars were ancient. They were really old. You look back 23 years old and some of those cars were old even then. And we know that many of those cars didn't make it into the future, right? They're not with us anymore. And many of the people who were in the video didn't make it into the future. They're not with us anymore. Some of them have gone to be with Jesus, hopefully. The thing that struck me about the video was, well, firstly, how young we were, right? But secondly, how much preparation went in to this wedding. You know, Suzanne made the wedding invitations. I can remember writing them out and helping her fold them and whatever. But, but she actually made her own paper. How cool is that? And, and, then, and then her dress was immaculate. It was beautiful. The, the detail was incredible. She made her own wedding cake. The preparation for this wedding was astounding and she was beautiful. She still is beautiful, but then she was a younger beautiful. Could you imagine if I, as a young, aspiring husband, full of joy and hope and faith and love, 
turn around to the door, the wedding march is playing, in walks this beautiful bride, but her mascara is smudged, she's been caught napping, you remember back then, there wasn't waterproof mascara, <laughs> right? She wouldn't look like she's just raised from a nap. She would have looked like she's raised from the dead. Like we were going to some gothic funeral with these darkened out eyes. The message is this. Jesus said, I'm coming at a time when you're not going to expect me. Don't be caught napping. The second story in Matthew chapter 25 is the story of the 10 bags of money. This is reflected in Luke chapter 19. I preached about this at the beginning of the year. And this is the principle of multiplication. You see, the landowner goes away for a while and he entrusts his servants with money. And he says to them, I want you to make this money work. I want you to invest. I want, I'm coming back. I'm expecting a return. On my investment. And he comes back and he finds some have been faithful in little and he establishes them over much. He finds some have been caught napping. The third story is the story of the sheep and the goats. And this is where the bridegroom Jesus comes back and he separates people and he calls the sheep to himself and he says, come to me. And he takes the goats and he says, go away from me. He associates with a certain kind of person. And he disassociates violently with another kind of person. So violently, in fact, that he throws them into hell. There's a principle here. The first one, with the parable of the bridesmaids, the virgin. He talks to them about this and he says, are you hopeful enough? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 2 says this. It says, I pray for you and I think about, Paul speaking, he says, your labor prompted by love. He says, I think about your work prompted by faith and I think about your endurance inspired by hope. Through the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus comes back and finds hopelessness. They didn't have enough hope, five of those virgins, to take them through the night. He found them hopeless. The book of Revelations, in I think five portions in the book of Revelations, it talks about patient endurance to the end. It talks about those who endure to the end, will be saved. There's a patient endurance, a hope in the coming of Jesus Christ that should keep us alert and awake. He's coming soon. Don't, in the darkest of night, fall asleep and grow weary of doing good. The second story is the story of the bags of money. And what happens here is he finds these guys without faith. Some applied their faith and multiplied the resources God had given them. Others hid their talents because they didn't have enough faith to multiply. And the owner says to them, you wicked, lazy servant. 
and he commends those who had been faithful. He says, you are faithful, full of faith, in little. I will establish you over much. That's what faith does. Faith multiplies. And don't be caught napping through lack of faith. You see, the word says that our work is produced by faith. And the third arena is the sheep and the goats. And the story of the sheep and the goats is this. Jesus speaks to the sheep and says, come, you have my nature, you have my attitude, you have my heart, you have my personality, you have my love in you. And they say, what do you mean? He says, when have we ever seen you? Jesus, uh, hungry or naked or sick or in jail and we didn't visit you, we didn't encourage you, we didn't feed you, we didn't clothe you. He says, no, no, no. He says, if you haven't done it to the least of these looking around, he says, actually, if you did it to the least of these, you've done it to me. That was a service to me. And he says to the goats, he says, depart from me, get away. You cursed into the fire, right? And he says to them, why? Because you did not do it to the least of these. You didn't do it to me. You see, our love for others is a reflection of our love for him. If we love him, we're going to love his people. Could you imagine my wife loving me, but not loving the people I love? Could you imagine her loving me, but not loving my family? That's not real love, is it? No. That's selfishness. She loves me for what she can get out of me, not what she can contribute to my world. That's not love. That's self-love. That's not sacrificial love. It is a form of love, but it's a very, very basic kind of love. We need to outgrow ourselves, don't we, in a marriage relationship. A marriage is ignited on these three things. Faith, hope, and love. All right, when we get together, right, there is a hope that is in us that says that our future together is going to be so much better than our future alone. I have a hope for a better future with you. My hope with you is greater than my hope alone, which is hopeless and hopeful. I am full of hope for a better future. That is why we get married, right? The second thing is faith. I believe that we are better together than I am alone. And I believe that we can make it work. No matter what comes, we can do this. And the third thing we need, obviously, is love. And that love is, is what keeps us together. It is, it, is, it is a glue. It says, even in, in spite of the fact that hope and faith might not work, in fact, sometimes it doesn't work, but love says... Even if hope and faith don't work, I will lay myself down to make you a better person. I'm going to give up my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations. I am going to embrace everything that is you to make your future better. That's what love is. And that's what love does. And that's why there's a difference between the sheep and the goats. The sheep have the heart of Christ. The goats do not. You see, goats are quite strange animals. Sheep are very docile. They're very trusting. They're very innocent. They're very pure. They're very loving. When Jesus came the first time, he came as 
the Lamb of God, to take away the sins of the world. He came innocent. He came sinless. He came spotless. When he comes again, he's coming to not represent his lamb nature. He's coming to represent his lion nature. And he's coming to judge the world. And he's coming to receive those who have his personality to himself. But to the goats. See, a goat is a different creature. A goat is one of those guys who, if you've ever seen a goat, you can see where goats live, right? They destroy the landscape. Not only do they eat off the superficial growth like a sheep would, but they also dig out the roots. They destroy the future of that piece of property. They're selfish. They do not leave anything behind. They consume. They're all about themselves. I've seen goats standing on a thatch roof eating the straw. I've seen goats eating washing off a, a, a clothesline. I've seen goats eating plastic bags. I've seen goats eating everything. Whatever they can, they consume. It's all about themselves. You see, the word commends us in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And Paul says, I bear in mind your labor prompted by love. Labor and work are two different things. Work you could do in an office. Labor is back-breaking. Labor is intense. And labor takes something of you to invest in somebody else intentionally. That's labor. Who do we need to invest in according to Scripture? Jesus says, I was hungry. Right? Love says, I'm going to feed you. It's going to take some work. It's not easy. It's going to take some sacrifice. I was naked. That means, well, I've got an extra shirt in my cupboard. I need to give somebody something that I've got. He says, I was naked and you clothed me. He says, I was in prison. You visited me. He says, you sympathized with persecution. You, you were not ashamed to be associated with me. You were not ashamed to be associated with the cross. The fourth thing, he says, I was sick and you visited me. You weren't worried about the contagion. You were worried about my well-being. We lay our lives down for one another. Now, we obviously, we understand social distancing and all those things at the moment. But hey, friends, when people are sick, they need help. Let's be a helping hand. Three things God asks of us in terms of hope, faith, and love. The first thing Jesus asks of you is, do you have enough oil in your lamp? Do you have enough hope to endure to the end? Are you hopeful or are you hopeless? The second thing Jesus asks us is this, do you have faith in me? Do you trust me with your bags of money? Actually, Jesus is saying, not do you trust me? He's saying, do I, can I trust you with my bags of money? Will you multiply the resources I give you? The third thing Jesus asks of us is, will you lay down your life for me, will you lay down your life for others? Do you love me enough to love yourself less? 
You know, the two commands Jesus gives us are the whole law and the prophet summed up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God and love those people that God loves. This is a bride that is ready for the coming of Jesus. Full of faith, full of hope, full of love. I would like to pray with us today. I want to ask you, would you stand with me as we pray that God would prepare us for an unexpected coming of Jesus Christ, that we won't lose heart along the way? See, these three stories speak to the body, the soul, and the spirit. So the endurance is prompted by hope provided by the Holy Spirit. The labor, which is physical work, is prompted by love. And the soul, which is called work, is prompted by faith. Faith, hope and love speak to the body, the soul and the spirit of man. We need to be ready, body, soul and spirit, for the coming of Jesus. We're going to pray this together. As you stand with me, let's stand, let's pray. If you feel comfortable, you're welcome to raise your hands with me. That's an act of surrender. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for me and for my friends that we would be ready, body, soul, and spirit, as you prepare for us in faith, hope, and love, you preparing us as a bride of Christ to be ready for the coming of the bridegroom. I pray right now, Father, that as we are expectant of the imminent return of Jesus, that we would not lose courage, we would not lose hope, that we would be hopeful, that we would be faithful, and Lord Jesus, that we would be fruitful in our lifestyle in Jesus' name. I pray that we live all out for you, passionately, passionately in love with Jesus Christ. Lord, arrest our hearts. Lord, romance us. Lord, draw us into that depth of relationship that only you can romance us into. I pray for depth of relationship, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you this morning are joining with us and you're saying, Hey man, I don't have that kind of a relationship with God. I'm just kind of testing the waters. I want to say Jesus is inviting you and he's saying, Hey, this place for you. He's patient, not wanting one to go lost. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be one of his. He wants you to adopt the character and the nature of of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I want to ask you and invite you into the kingdom today. Don't you want to pray with me? And it's pretty simple. Jesus wants you as you are. He loves you as you are so much that he's not going to leave you alone as you are. He's going to impart his life into you. Would you pray with me? If you're one of those, let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that I need salvation. I need you to take my sin away. Thank you that you, Jesus, died on the cross to pay the price for my sin so that I can be declared innocent of all wrongdoing and I can be accepted by Father God 
as a son of God. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. No one comes to the Father except through you, Jesus. I accept that. I come through you. Please fill me right now with your Holy Spirit and make me new. Make me a born again son of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. If that was you this morning, then I want to tell you that the Bible says that your sins have been forgiven by him. He died to set you free. I want to invite you and say welcome to the kingdom. Welcome as a son and a daughter of the Most High God and a brother and a sister of ours. I want to encourage you if that's you today. And maybe you have some needs. Maybe you want to talk to somebody. We have counselors there on the Facebook page. All you do is you have a look for, it would say enter a room or join a group. Go in there and then look for a mentor. And somebody is ready to talk to you. We have counselors who would just love to talk to you this morning one-on-one. -on -one. They would love to meet up with you. Don't be a stranger. Plug into the family, the household of God. We're so glad you joined with us this morning. So guys, we've come to the end of my preach. Stay tuned for the announcements. And then also, we're going to play you out with a song from the worship team. God bless you. Use this time to be enriched in faith. So good to be with you in your home this morning, even as you are in my house. This is my lounge. God bless you. We love you.